0: Everybody, welcome to Pot Sports Shorts. It's the big boy <laughs> Dan Haas here, along with the one and only Matt Sell. Uh, Matt, How's it how going?
1: I'm, I'm great. Fine. How are you? Good how was uh, Christmas. Christmas was good, just spent it with the uh, wife and kids. Yeah, how about you?
0: Uh, good, it was with uh, each of our moms and um, my wife's brother in law, who's uh, you know, so we had a nice time. We had a nice time, uh, Christmas Day. We all got together, and then Christmas Eve, it was the same group minus my mom and my sister, and my my mom, sister, and my aunt. So it was nice. Um, That's a good time. A, I got a lot of. We got a lot of. We, we go big. We, we're big Christmas people around here. You know, we love the whole idea, this, this the spirit from everything, from being a family to presents, all that stuff. So I got some cool stuff, such as this uh, GPS Garmin like Fit Watch. I've never owned oh. one of these, but I haven't owned a watch in twenty years, Matt. <laughs>
1: <laughs> really.
0: Yeah, I've always, once once
1: I got a cell phone, I was like, we don't need a watch now. It's the time so on you my phone. Use, oh no, now it's shifting all to your, see I got the Apple watch here. I got the, yeah. like, I got the cellular ones, so uh, you know, I do a lot of like running, outdoor running, trail running and everything like that, so it's nice to have that for safety. So yeah, that's what I'll do, I got the GPS. feels so lame here. saying.
0: I got the <laughs> GPS thing on here too, so I'm gonna do, uh, yeah. I'm gonna have, tomorrow I'm going hiking in the morning up in Northwest Jersey. Um, oh, nice. A little, little for up near Warren County, a little past from where you're from. But um, I'm gonna try all the GPS and the that and uh, fit stuff out for the first time tomorrow. I'm pretty excited for it.
1: Yeah, that's funny, you gotta get on Strava.
0: Yeah, that's what I've, I've heard. Um, my buddy just went on um, we live. my buddy Steve, <laughs> the one I did with did, um, Whitney with. And I've always used shows. I wasn't very impressed with Live. Um, I thought their trail map game was really, really weak. Like, I was in, like, a, I was in, where was I hiking a few
1: weeks ago?
0: Gotcha. Not Poe, but somewhere up around there. Norvin Green, uh, High Point, somewhere up in North Jersey. And there's a lot of, you know, trails interlocking, and, and the Relive map had none of these trails. It was just a, it's just, it uses the Google map, and Google maps are not good for hiking. You know, they don't, no. they don't do hiking trails well at all. So I am probably gonna pass on that, just keep up with all trails. But I'm gonna give Strabo a look into now. You know, I hike it up that I wouldn't I'm not opposed to you know, paying for it and everything.
1: Yeah. I like all the uh does your thing have heart rate on it?
0: Yes. Right now my heart rate is maybe seven. Wait till we start talking about the fucking Giants.
1: (laughs) (laughs) As soon
0: as I said Giants, (laughs) it went up to 98. I did it again! Holy shit! (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, the sun will be rising at 7.17 this this morning. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, Yeah, right? It seems a little late. I think... Um, At that, I, of course, I sent you the picture of the Danico jersey, which freaking was mind blowing.
1: That's a great gift. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I've always wanted one. I've always looked for one. I've always asked like people in the family, "Hey, if you ever see like a Ken Danico old school Devils jersey, I would love it. You know, just let me know. If you, if you want me to pay for it, I don't care. If one gives a gift, I don't care. So I get usually, you know, my my, my wife and you know my parents or whoever will look around Christmas time, and my mother in law found one and bought herself a place in our house in old age and decided to pick it up for me and it's not only a Candanico jersey but it's autographed and it's freaking awesome i put pictures on my instagram i don't do stuff very often but i had a lot of additions to the jersey collection this this uh christmas season a couple new tottenham kits too
1: that's beautiful that's a beautiful Candanico jersey but listen there's not really a great reason for a grown man to walk around in a hockey sweater so you got to frame that
0: I know, I'm probably going to, as I said, I'm going to frame it and then maybe, like, take it to a game now and again. You know, like, I'll take, because I, I wore it the day after, because it's the closest thing I have to a Christmas sweater. <laughs> to an ugly Christmas yes. sweater.
1: <laughs> so, I worked at, um... I worked at Apple stores for like nine years before I had my current job, and every now and then I would like throw on a hockey sweater, and I always just because I'm I'm working in a retail store, it's like whatever, and I'd always feel like such like a weirdo, like walking around, like I'd wear like a Yager jersey or something like that, and it <laughs> it's like it is the most probably the least socially acceptable sports thing to wear. I would say a soccer kit's number one, where yeah, you
0: without get, a doubt, a soccer. Where and you a hockey can kind kit. of just blend in. Yeah,
1: number two is like a baseball jersey t-shirt jersey
0: yeah like like remember those you know what i'd love to have i actually have a i have an 86 mets pullover jersey it's freaking awesome
1: oh that wouldn't be too bad yeah it's not so bad it's a keith
0: hernandez one too so it's like a conversation starter because you know fucking keith yeah yeah um i think football jerseys if they're fit well can work but sometimes fit football jerseys can be a little too large you know and in hockey jerseys i mean they're made to be ginormous so like always look ridiculous unless you're at a hockey game
1: The only thing I have, I have a like a what is it? The starter. I have a starter jersey from like the '90s. That's a Devil's one, and it's it's tight on me because it's definitely not meant to be worn by me.
0: But it it works. It kind of works like a
1: t-shirt. You were like 12 in
0: 1995. (laughs) (laughs) I used to have an old um, Devil's white 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 christmas tree colors jersey like starter days and obviously then I, I was i am significantly larger than i was when i was a child and it's not going to fit me I, don't, I couldn't even tell you where it is now and i also I had to have this green devil starter jacket all green with the red oh, and white logo right here it was awesome dude i used to i wore it out i mean i i had to i had to throw it out because i legitimately wore it out
1: i always love that i also love And before we get into it, it was the most Lou that when the Devils had that stadium series game, he's like, oh, fuck it. Just get some old jersey out of the closet. Like they got back the red and green one instead of like, you know, everybody does their own custom jersey for those. And I just picture Lou being like, no, custom jersey. No, fuck that. Just find something old.
0: Well, even just look at the, what the new the new NHL jerseys, like the reverse retro, and yeah. then what the Islanders threw out there. <laughs> it's like, it's their, it's their home jersey. What the fuck? <laughs> they had an opportunity to do this really cool, like, orange jersey, maybe, you know, with some... No, they just, just, here's, here's our home jersey with some, a couple different uh, highlights in it.
1: <laughs> and I feel like it's something, like, he doesn't even have to be involved in, but he probably chooses to just to, like, make sure nothing's crazy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Two uniforms is all you need. <laughs> <laughs> At least we know we'll never see the fisherman jersey again.
1: <laughs> <No>.
0: <laughs> Anyways, um, let's kind of get into our show a bit today. We're we're going to get into a little uh, year review, things we're, uh, we were quite pleased with and things we weren't pleased with. And um, what, what we're most pleased with or we're most, most excited for coming up in 2021, uh, we both are in agreement here.
1: It yeah, is, all the uh, things I'm pleased about are basically one thing.
0: Yeah, or Just one thing. Know. It is the new ownership of uh group person no ownership person of the new york Mets, one steve cohen steve cohen finally finished the buyout of fred wolpon that seemed like it was just over a almost two decades in the making i feel
1: and let's just let's just focus on what awful awful like the Wilpon family left and just embarrassed themselves on the way out too, because they tanked the initial sale because they wanted more control for longer years and they wanted Jeff to have a place with the team. And then, in the end, now they're giving up the team right away. And Cohen's paying less. It's yeah, great.
0: It's awesome. I mean, they even got they even got the raw end of the deal, which is even better.
1: They tried to be greedy and they got a worse deal. Yeah. It's like classic, classic Wilpon. I almost said Madoff, but same thing, I guess. Same thing. You know.
0: Yeah. All right, and honestly, dude, you talk about just how terrible the ownership was. I mean, they had an awful relationship with the fans. They never seemed to hit it right in free agency. Um, they In the past few years, they've traded away their farm system. Yeah. You know, I mean, which is ridiculous because the farm system was one of the things they've probably done right in the 10 years prior to... Brody Van Wagenen, which is, you know, thank like you, Sandy. Sandy Alderson. Thank yeah. you very much. Welcome <laughs> back to the team. Another, yeah. another, um, positive windfall of the Cohen ownerships to return is Sandy Alderson, who I, am s- I both
1: love. I love Sandy. I'm so yeah. excited. I mean, Sandy's got that dry sense of humor too. The dude's hilarious. He's a smart baseball guy. He doesn't take BS. I mean, he was the only, he was probably the only person who could come in at the beginning of the decade and save the Willponds from themselves but eventually they won out because they're just awful. They are. But the thing I love, Jared Porter is the general manager. That's a great hire. And the fact of the matter is, I mean, they've hinted at it. So you and I, I think we're I think we initially thought Theo would come in Epstein. Of course. Yeah. But I actually changed my mind on that. The way the fact that they hired Zach Scott, who's like a GM in waiting, tells me that the goal is keep Sandy as team president for a few years then Make Jared Porter the team president and make Zach Scott the general manager. I think that's got to be the plan at this point, which is great. I mean, you're putting great baseball people in charge of the Mets. That's it. When's the last time that happened?
0: And there's a long-term vision. This is a. This sounds like a. This could be a 15-20 year vision that we're looking at here with the pieces they have in place. That's what's like most shocking to me. I'm yeah. not used to seeing the Mets have like these these long-term business goals and these long-term business like like these the the people in place, you know, you get what I'm saying? I'm I think I'm having a hard time wording this.
1: Um, no, you're absolutely right. I know yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, it's I, just I, there's a long term vision yes. and there's smart people in place who are gonna be who are going to be uh, devoted to carrying that out. And they're also gonna be disciplined in carrying that out. Which has not always been the case. I mean, we are at a I don't want to curse too much because it's a little much, but we are at a fucking agent to be our general manager. What did we expect? He brought in one of his clients, he traded the farm system away. Like the guy was a total joke. He okay, he had a unique approach to the draft. It's gonna be five years to know whether any of those guys are any good. Right. But the fact of the matter is, he raided the farm system for very little return.
0: Right. And that and I mean one of the returns isn't even gonna play this year.
1: No. And even if even if Diaz is the best closer in the league, it's still not worth trading two top 100 prospects for a reliever.
0: At this point, we've talked about would, we've talked
1: would, about this so many times, but you know how I feel about relievers.
0: At this point, it would take Edwin Diaz to save over 50 games this year and record multiple 6-out saves in the NLCS and World Series for that trade to be worth it. For me to say okay, I don't care how good Jared Kellen could, have been, could be, could become, or does become, because Diaz got me this. And I can confidently say that because I know that Eli Manning can do no wrong, and that guy did plenty of wrong <laughs> towards the end of his career, and I don't even care. Like, I don't care that he was a quarterback for two years too long with the Giants, you know? So, I just, you know, championships fix everything.
1: Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. if the Mets win a championship, I agree with you. I... I don't think the Mets are all that close to a championship. That's really where I come in and I don't I don't I think the thing I like so far about the new ownership is they're not they're going to take a chance on this team. They're going to sign some free agents, but I don't sense that they're going to just raid the cupboard and mortgage the entire future for this conti- for this group.
0: Right. Um so what do you think they do then? You think they I, can't take that like a Dodgers think, approach?
1: Yeah, I think they're going to take the Dodgers approach. I think I think he's. Ta- I don't think he's going to come out and say that he's going to spend a lot, but I think what they'll do is they'll sign Springer and they'll probably sign one or two more, you know, good players. I think he'll be happy to eat the Cano contract to see Cano never play again right. or become a bench player, you know, type of thing the Yankees would do when a guy's overpaid but he's not performing.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: So, yeah. In the end, I think they'll spend a lot of time. I think he'll spend a good amount of money, and then they'll be focusing on the farm system, so investing in technology, investing in coaching and player development. Bring them back up, and five years from now, they'll reap the rewards from that.
0: Yeah, technology is a big thing for the Mets. I think the Mets have just, um, they're so far behind in terms of advanced stats and saver metrics. And I'm not someone who thinks the saver metrics could dictate the game. I mean, I pointed the Tampa Bay Rays this year as an example of that. You know, you also have to watch what's going on on the field <laughs> and evaluate your players as their players. Like, okay, you know, the odds say this, but, you know, sometimes the odds are wrong. You know, that's how odds work. If 70% of something, if something works 70% of the time, then 30% of the time it's not going to work. And great managers are the ones that can identify to 30% of the time to bet against what you should do and get success.
1: You know? Go with your gut every now and then or go with your gut when it's warranted, but then be ready to be torn apart when it's the wrong decision, I guess. But I'm always Harvey
0: and Harvey and Terry Collins in 2015.
1: Yeah. And I felt like I was, I mean, again, I think I ended up in a group message with a lot of Mets fans who don't watch regular season games and like tune in a lot for the playoffs. And so they were all screaming like, Oh, Familia sucks. You can't put Familia in there. And I'm like, Familia is one of the best closers in the league. You absolutely, yeah. he's had a rough, he's had a rough series, but you absolutely have to put him in there. Right. And I think anybody who watched the Mets all season knew that was going to go poorly when Harvey went back out there, but it's Yellow. like one of those
0: things. is like in my heart, I was like, "Yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah!" Like I'm fucking pumped. Like here comes the fucking ace, and he's gonna fucking lock it down. But in the back of my head, I'm just like,
1: "Fuck." I wasn't pumped. Idea. I was. Well,
0: there's like my adrenaline was going. I remember, but I, knew I remember in the back of my head, goes like, "Fuck, this is really gonna backfire. Like, no, this I, nice thing's gonna happen here. Just a mess." But at the I same time, trying to like, hide it.
1: <laughs> I was texting every single person, like, "I have a bad feeling about this. I think this is gonna backfire." <laughs> and everyone's like, "No, this is awesome." I'm like, no, it's not. So,
0: what do you what do you expect? What are the Mets gonna look like with 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 a, a legit, you know, sabermetrics team and a legit like uh, advanced stats team and an advanced stats program within their team?
1: So, I'd love to see some. The things I'd love to see are like the video breakdowns that the Will Ponds didn't want to spend the money on. So, the technology that can like model a pitcher's motion, model a hitter, and just give people that little bit of an edge to understanding, you know, okay, DeGrom's not, DeGrom hasn't pitched well the last five games. He's doing this little thing with his arm or his arm's not going through fast enough. And instead of having to eyeball it, you actually have video technology to show it. And so right now what's happening is it's coaches that are breaking down, you know, old, best of my understanding when I follow Mets news is it's coaches breaking down film footage and showing that to the players. But imagine if you had these like, super high definition ultra slow motion cameras kind of like what you saw the bills have been doing with josh allen but to show that hey degrom you're not you know you're not getting your hips through fast enough or something like that and that's the issue you're seeing and then they can maybe fix that faster so little things like that stuff you see tampa bay and you see houston unfortunately besides banging on a trash can you see you know (laughs) Franchises like that. who We know Houston's quite advanced with camera usage. (laughs) Yeah, they have have a lot of cameras. (laughs) Uh, But stuff like that. And then just in terms of player development, there's a lot of unemployed, good, great baseball people because of the pandemic. I would love to see the Mets hire as many as they can and, you know, stick them at all levels to make sure that because player development has to be important. It can't be. And that's the same thing. All that technology has to extend down to the minor leagues, too. Right. Right, So, yeah. That's what I'm excited about. I think, I think the Mets are going to go for it now, but it's going to be free agent, free agent, and no contracts that are going to kill you in five years type go for it. Okay. You know, when this in five years, when whatever plan has kind of seen its way through, uh, they can't have like you know five canoes on the books. They need to have payroll flexibility then, right? Right. Because that's the moment where you're going to say, all right, here's the luxury tax, and we're going to go way over. Okay, rant over.
0: Good for you. <laughs> huh? Good for you. Got that off your chest. No, absolutely. Yes. And that's that's what I'm. Think that's what I'm most excited for to see because I think that is where the Mets are going. That's the, Those are all the signs that the Cohen ownership group and the team has shown, and pretty excited for that. All right, so that's the good of 2020, and what we have to look forward to in 2021. Now to the bad.
1: If the Jets hadn't won two games, they'd right now be in the good column.
0: They would be right. You saying. You, well, when when um, when when Greg Williams, you know, kind of blew that game against the Raiders a few weeks back, I just remember how excited every Jets fan, like Jets fans, were celebrating like they had just won the fucking Super Bowl. It was absolutely hilarious.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you, I hadn't celebrated like the way I did, the way I celebrated after that Raiders touchdown. I hadn't celebrated like that since they beat the Patriots in the playoffs in 2010.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean best Jets moment in the past tw- ten years, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I have to tell you, tanking. I mean, I'm glad it's over now. I can just cheer for them to beat the Patriots, who are pretty terrible. Yeah. Um, which is which is also a good of the year. Watching yeah, you Patriots have to enjoy. We're watching for those of you oh. listening. We're
0: watching. We're both watching the Bills Pats game right now and. Um, I'm watching because I pretty much got free money on FanDuel to bet on this game tonight <laughs> because they did one of their promos where, like, if as people keep betting, the uh, spread just kept improving. So it went... Oh, right. yeah. <laughs> so the spread is now plus 113. <laughs> so <laughs> Buffalo just needs to not lose by 113 points. <laughs> 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 Thank you, FanDuel. Merry Christmas to you, too. and, uh, and uh But you got to love watching the Pats just imploding here.
1: Oh, it's great. And Pats fans are just they have no idea what it's like to watch real football because they've been so (laughs) I It is, I, and I would talk to Pats fans at the beginning of the year. I'm like, you know, this is the kind of game every other fan of every other team has to sit through is like (laughs) grind them out games where it doesn't just Tom Brady doesn't throw for 500 yards and go 30 for 35 or something like that. Right. And, you know, I just had a Pats fan texting me complaining about how Cam has the worst ball placement in the league. And then he's like, I think the Pats should trade for Darnold. And I was like, dude, Darnold's a lot worse than Cam. And I'm like, you have you have no idea what it's really like to watch football, do you?
0: <laughs> not used to this, you know. And, and they're not. I mean, for 20 years when Tom Brady's there. But that's the that's that's the old man. Buffalo's definitely part of the new. And God. you were hoping that the Jets were going to be a part of the new with Trevor Lawrence until uh, – Last weekend
1: Yeah Um, Pretty disappointed with that When they lost that game That was Or when they won that game I'm sorry (laughs) When they beat LA That was actually like You know I can only speak for myself Not all Jets fans But that was a much worse Gut punch than losing To Pittsburgh In the AFC Championship game In 2010 And I I, That's probably not A reasonable thing to say But it was just uh, It is. It would have just If they got Trevor Lawrence It would have made All these years worth it that's why but
0: Trevor now, Lawrence is why, yeah. Because he's that good.
1: He is that good. I mean, in watching him versus Notre Dame, I the way he threw that first interception, and one of my buddies texts me. He goes, "Are you sure this guy's good?" And then I was like, "Well, that was bad, but let's just see what happens." And then he just tears Notre Dame apart yeah. the rest of the way. Like,
0: and and it's funny because when Notre Dame played Clemson earlier this year, um, Clemson's backup DJ Lalelia and Uago Lalaleli, I believe is how you pronounce it. You know. He played well against Notre Dame. He's actually, he broke the Clemson single-game passing record in that game. It was a double overtime game, mind you. But yeah. he was, he, he played very well. Like, I watched that game, and I'm like, that dude's, like, the third, well, I'll say now the fourth-best quarterback, probably, in college football. <laughs> you know, because that was before I, I got to know Zach Wilson a little better, quite honestly. And, um... But I mean, when I watched that game, I was like, man, like Notre Dame, like, you know, they they played well. This is gonna be at least the very least is gonna be a good game. And dude, the the difference of that offense and how it clicks with Lawrence under there was unbelievable. He is so he was he was a pro quarterback playing with very, very playing against like, you know, Notre Dame's got an excellent defense. And yeah. he made them look silly. Everything silly. he does.
1: I mean like and it's athlete. a cliche. I know I'm 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 I know I'm quoting a scouting report and so it's easy for me to like I'm not a I'm not an NFL level scout. I, I I feel like I know some about the game, but everything he does is so fast. The way he resets his feet, he goes through his progressions, his motion, just everything It's fast. And so that's what's gonna be so NFL ready about him. It's just oh he's it sucks. His we're gonna have to watch him in Jacksonville and eventually London. Hope you, like, uh, hope you like pie and mash. I mean, I love pie and mash. I love but pie and mash, too. <laughs> yeah. But,
0: yeah. Um, I've seen two in my lifetime, two quarterbacks as I consider pro-ready as him. One, Peyton Manning. That I can remember. One's Peyton Manning. The other's Andrew Luck.
1: Andrew Luck. I don't remember Peyton, I guess, because I was just – that was when I was just starting to get into football was like yeah. the, late 90, the late 90s, early 2000s. So I don't remember Peyton as a college
0: I've, watched, I've been watching college football since probably like the early 90s. Like, when yeah. I was a little kid. I got really into Notre Dame as a little kid. Andrew
1: Luck, on. though, was the same thing. Everything yeah. was just so smooth the way he'd go through his progressions in college, reset his feet, get out, you know, climb up the pocket. There was a throw against Notre Dame where, like, nobody was open on Trevor's first scan through the field, and the pass rusher was coming around. He just calmly climbed the pocket, Tom Brady style, and then found someone open in the end zone. And it's like, those little things are just. Yeah, that's good for Jacksonville. I hate them now, but good for them.
0: No, well, like I mean, you know, it's also it's it's
1: suffering. I'm sure I'm sure the five fans there have suffered a lot too, so.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's going to put asses in seats. He's going to put asses in seats down there for pretty much the first time ever.
1: Oh, absolutely. And it
0: sucks yeah. because you know, I'm sure the NFL would have loved for Lawrence to go to one of their most valuable franchises in their biggest market and become a if you win here, you become a you become a god here when you win there's yeah. to it you know i mean he said it. look at eli manning we put him on this huge pedestal the man was a slightly a maybe a above average quarterback
1: and he played himself back to average over the latter half of his career yeah. and he's gonna probably go in the hall of fame simply because he won two super bowls with the giants
0: well the nfl also the nfl's big on an on on putting people in hall of fames for like cultural and 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 game achievement and like
1: that's true.
0: Uh, like outside of football achievements too, like you know, and I bring up you're a Jets fan. I always bring up Joe Namath. You look at Joe Namath's stats. You're like that guy's in the fucking Hall of Fame. But what he 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 completely reinvented how you hit those Jets offenses in the late sixties were the birth of the modern NFL offense, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, you know, or the maybe the AFL in general, those offenses were the birth of modern NFL offenses.
1: Yeah, you watch, I mean, you understand when you know the history of the game. But yeah, when you look at their stats, it doesn't some of those got like Joe Namath here.
0: Joe Namath, yeah. but those Joe Namath his prime years like in like the late 60s and you know, I mean, he was he was unbelievable. Oh yeah. Yeah, he was he was an unbelievable talent then, you know. And that game that, you know, Super Bowl 3 is is just such a huge part of NFL lore. That's what it is. You get inducted into the Hall of Fame for NFL lore pretty easily.
1: You do, zone. yeah.
0: And Eli Manning's got lore with that drive in Super Bowl Forty Two. <laughs> both drives, both drives, but especially the Forty Two drive, because the Forty Six we just knew it was going to happen. I remember that. True, game. Pat, dude, I, Pat's I knew it was going to happen. Pat's fans were calling me up all week, and they were, they were texting me all week. They were saying, "Like, dude, I know full well we're not winning this game." <laughs>
1: like, you just, they, had just that, they knew. They knew. You just. I had that feeling too. As an yeah. as a as a Pat's hater. And Giants, okay, I'm on the bandwagon. I still had that. I still just knew the Giants were gonna win that game. Pat's
0: fans knew it too. They just did not. There's like, there's this team knows how to. This team knows how to play against us. They know yeah. how to. They, yeah, and they did. Coughlin knew how to how to go up against Belichick.
1: Get pressure with your front four. It's not Exactly. That not very
0: hard. You know, it was, it was it was a very basic game plan in all both of those Super Bowls. And it worked. You just have to have, you know, the, the Nats my problem. Maybe I'll flip over to the Giants here. The Giants had an elite pass rush and elite edge rushers in both of those seasons. They had Strahan and Tuck in, in, in the first one. And they had Pierre Paul in the second one and Pierre Paul was playing he still is playing really good football actually he's definitely he is down in Tampa he's playing really well I, I yeah. remember when I watched him like man we're eating crow on this guy right now man because he's I freaking, remember freaking great.
1: that first game where after he came back again, and he came back against the Jets and he just had his fucking hand wrapped up in that giant club and he was using <laughs> it like a club and they weren't flagging him at well, all I was getting so pissed who was that dude from the, <laughs> who
0: was that freaking dead from the Raiders in the 70s you always see him on NFL films like they because, uh, they, they, you know, those old Raiders. Lyle Alonzo, I believe that's his name. And he had a club like that, too. That was, like, part of his game because, you know, those old Raiders teams, I mean, all they did was cheat. That <laughs> was, like, part was of the freaking deal.
1: <laughs> screaming at the TV, like, I know we haven't thought about this yet, but why is this okay?
0: He <laughs> should not be allowed to have a club in his hand. But uh, the Giants still don't have a uh, pass rush, and they're unquestionably the most disappointing thing that happened this season. Um, it's just, there's no, it's, it's like, they gave me like a little glimmer of hope when they beat Seattle. And I was like, oh, okay, there's actually some talent here. There's some drive. There's some art here. And it's been an absolute shit storm disaster since then, dude. And they cannot generate any sort of pressure on their pass rush. They have these two great defensive tackles in your boy Leonard Williams and Dalvin and yeah, he's been, he's been pretty, <laughs> dude, he's been, he's been great. I know, consistent.
1: I'm just messing with you. Yeah, I know, he's,
0: <laughs> I, I stopped doing the Leonard Williams sack count to you, I couldn't, I, I was like, you know what, I, I, I've had fun enough
1: with this. <laughs> well, it's fine because we have Quinn and Williams.
0: Right, you <laughs> do, you know, you've, you've, an course,
1: absolute beast.
0: We've talked about this, the trade pretty kind of, for the most part, worked out pretty well for both of us, because, you know, they're going to sign Leonard Williams again, it's just all there is to it, um, but there's. You no, know, they're great on the inside, but there's just nothing coming from the outside, and this frustrates me. Once again, this goes back to that freaking Daniel Jones draft when they took Daniel Jones number 6 and Josh Allen was sitting there right on the board, and you knew full damn well that Daniel Jones was still going to be there at 17 because as we've seen in his first two seasons, he is not a first-round quarterback, and it's yeah. almost I it's it's that one move right there I think has set the French. I know you go back to Saquon a lot, and I don't mind so much about Saquon because that dude's ridiculous when he when he can play. But like that move, more than anything else, set the franchise back because he completely did ignored value with that pick, one hundred, yeah. and that is the cardinal sin of being a general manager in the NFL. He ignored value, and he's and there's. N- what are we gonna do now? Now we're gonna and be ignored. picking, what nine, ten because we're gonna win six games this season. Because you know the Giants are gonna fucking win the goddamn division now and go to the damn playoffs. <laughs> and that's and that and that's not even freaking that. That's what he pissed me off anymore. That seems more like a punishment than a damn reward. Because now I gotta watch them some more. I don't wanna watch these guys another week. The shitty ass quarterback who's useless if he can't run the damn ball.
1: Even oh, then, he man. sometimes falls.
0: Oh yeah! And it, oh my God! And it, I mean, is, is that worse than the butt fumble? The fall?
1: No, no, the fall. I, oh, I don't fall. know,
0: dude. The freaking turf monster just said, "nom nom 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 nom." Freaking took his ass down <laughs> like a bowl of cookies at Cookie Monster's house, dude. It was ridiculous.
1: Everybody knows that. Everybody knows how it feels. You're doing sprints or something like that, and that last that last little bit's tough.
0: He's a professional <laughs> athlete. Matt. <laughs> The dude gets paid to play sports.
1: Oh, uh, you know I think he's terrible.
0: <laughs> the dude gets paid to play sports. So uh, I'm over to quarterback. I'm officially over to quarterback. I just don't think he's going to do anything to make these plays. He doesn't remind me of Eli at all. Eli, the Giants were fucking 11-5 and, and winning the division in Eli's second season. Well, so,
1: And here's the thing you need to remember, too. With Daniel Jones, or with Gettleman... It's not just that he doesn't understand value. It's that he puts on blinders to what every other general manager is doing. So you mentioned it with Jones. Jones is the most obvious one. He could have gotten him a little later in the first. Or even if he thought somebody was going to take him, he had the ability to trade back up.
0: They, but they, they, have, they have three first-round picks in that draft.
1: You're going to be mad at me for saying this. I still can't believe that you took Andrew Thomas, who was most teams' fourth, tackle, fourth best tackle, that high. If they wanted Andrew Thomas, if they liked Andrew Thomas the best, they should have traded down. And that's nobody like, else, yeah. nobody else was taking him until the other three guys were off the board.
0: So then, I have two things. One, I don't think this draft. I think once the Lions didn't take Tua, then or a quarterback. Once the Lions didn't take a quarterback, I think that kind of killed a lot of the trade market in this draft. I think if the Giant, if the Lions would have taken a quarterback, the Giants would have traded that pick. Because because who was it?
1: Because somebody yeah, else would have moved up for Herbert.
0: Yeah, one of them. Well, who, who
1: was? Who, it was Herbert after. It was Herbert, Tua. right? Yeah. yeah. And
0: I, I think whoever, the, someone would move to Herbert. Yeah, exactly. I
1: Which, the by the way, if we're just going off, the fact that Herbert's the best quarterback in this draft, that also gives me hope on the Jets. Like, Tua was, for years, Tua and Burrow were supposed to be the guys. And Burrow's been very good, but he's just, has a, he's on a bad team. But
0: Herbert's leg's dead.
1: Herbert's a beast, and nobody saw that coming. We NFL scouts not, still do not know how to scout this position. And,
0: and not only is Herbert a beast, he's doing it with one of the worst fucking head coaches in the
1: league and a bad offensive line. Yeah. I mean, he's been great against the blitz.
0: Yeah. He really, he's, he's, he's smart. He's, he's, he's smart. He's a good player. Yeah. You know? So that's, yeah. And that nobody, it seems like it's, it's such a crap shoot. When you look back, I mean, you know, Tom Brady was in the fifth round. Russell Wilson was in the third round. You know, how many great quarterbacks weren't top 10 quarterbacks? There's probably more great quarterbacks that weren't top 10 than there were that are top 10.
1: I still think of the fact that uh, Kyler Murray was getting, like, a second-round grade from a lot of the talking heads. Now, we talk about this all the time. We only ever see the talking heads like the Mel Kuypers of the world, and the Mel Kuypers of the world are usually, like, three months behind the professional scouts in terms of where guys actually stand on the draft boards. But, you know, I think Mel Kuyper had, like, A second round grade on Kyler Murray, and because he's short, because he's short. Every that was the thing with short. Yeah, but so five thirty eight did a breakdown. Five thirty eight, who you know, the most people know them from politics, but they do a lot of quarterback breakdowns, and they had a model that had Kyler as the best quarterback in that draft long before the draft
0: eight's always been ahead of the curve with like analytics and stuff like that in terms their of their
1: whole average. thing is completion percentage but completion depth. The idea, I think, being that like, you know, if you have a high completion percentage on throws down the field, you know, over 20 yards, that translates pretty well to the kind of short windows you're going to see in the NFL. Right. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. So, yeah. Exactly. Efficient throws, um, throws that are that, are, that you're going to actually have to make more often than not.
1: Yeah. But yeah. then again, I think it also comes down to like how much how much how coachable is it? And coachable is such a cliche word, but like is a guy able to learn new things or is has that have they maxed out at kind of where they are? And like, yeah. So I don't know. If we if we were sitting here as podcasters and had the answer to how to draft a great quarterback, we'd have a different job. So we absolutely would. <laughs> so um Zach But it's just amazing. Zach Wilson's His my guy. guy. He's a guy. Yeah, Zach Wilson's my guy. He's a good More, kid. Mormon Mahomes. He's yeah, Mormon Mahomes, right?
0: <laughs> he doesn't quite have the power of Mahomes, the arm strength of Mahomes, so don't for that.
1: Pretty he's, damn good arm strength.
0: But he's, he's, it's 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 not Mahomes, but it's good, and I think it can be developed. And I think he. Well, it's not I
1: Mahomes now, but it's pretty it's pretty right. up there with Mahomes in college. Yeah. I would say. Exactly.
0: Yeah, and that's it. you're exactly right. Mahomes, yeah, Mahomes, in, Mahomes now, Mahomes in college are two entirely different things.
1: And that's the other piece. So what I'd like to see the Jets do is if they, I think they're going to. I don't. There's a lot of talk of them trading back or not taking a QB. I'm. I would say I'm 99 percent sure they're going to take a QB because there's a good chance if Joe Douglas keeps drafting like he did last year, you're not going to be picking this high again for a long time. Now I'm not saying they're going to be play- a playoff team, but you're talking about you know teens if Joe Douglas keeps drafting like he just did.
0: You're going to start. Getting it, you're going to be picking in the te- win seasons. You know, eight win seasons.
1: Exactly. So then you're talking about having to trade up for your quarterback. So I think they're going to take one now. I don't think there's much of a chance they're going to do anything other than take a quarterback. It, They'll have their pick of the bunch and they could potentially trade down and still get their guy if they want to.
0: Um, do you settle for Fields if Wilson's not there? Say you trade well, Wilson, back. Wilson's say, gonna, say, oh, say, oh, I see. Say, say you trade back. Go say me for Fresh. Air. Say you trade back. Wilson's not there. Do you settle for Fields?
1: Yeah, because what you've seen from Darnold this year is. Darnold is he's turned into a game manager like all the things you saw from Darnold that made you think this guy could be a great quote this guy has the potential to be a great quarterback have all disappeared and his footwork's a mess he's become a game manager but not a good one because he can't make those throws Select guys run after the catch he misses wide open guys and it's just he's a total mess and I just don't know if a new coach is actually going to fix him and so I think Based on what you've seen from him this year, I mean, he had a bad game against Cleveland, but the Jets won. I mean, Jamison Crowder has a better QB rating than Sam Darnold this year. Just saying. So, the fact of the matter is, I think...
0: (laughs) It was a nice touchdown pass yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) You had a good one. It was a nice one.
1: (laughs) I'm just saying, uh, I like Sam. I think he's a great guy, and I really... You know, I wasn't sold on him coming out of college, but then he won me over with the last, the way he ended his rookie season. And even last year, he had four or five really good games last year where you were like, okay, this guy can be good. But he's just been a dud this year. He's been bad all year. He hasn't had a single, this was maybe one of his better games, and he hasn't really had a single good game. So I think the Darnold time is done. This is a long way of answering your questions. Yes, I would take Fields because. If we're going to bring in a new coach, the hope is that the new coach plus rookie quarterback means, you know, starting over again. Reset, resetting the cap even is right. important enough. So, yeah, um, I would still take Fields. And my last
0: Jets question: um, Who's the Jets coach next year?
1: Oh God, I have no idea. Yeah, right. Um, I, I if if Lawrence were the guy, I would say buying me from uh, Kansas City. You know, there's a lot of guys, but now I have no idea because we went from probably one of the top, most attractive head coaching jobs, like right there with, I think it was going to be Texans, San Diego and the Jets. And now it's Texans, San Diego and Jacksonville are the most attractive head coaching jobs. So now I have no idea. I would love, uh, the 49ers defensive coordinator, if he can bring one of the Shanahan assistants with him.
0: Okay. What about, uh, Martindale down in Baltimore?
1: Yeah, yeah, he's done a great job. Yeah, he has right. I would even take uh, Buffalo's offensive coordinator.
0: Oh, absolutely, the way this yeah. offense is freaking way. Brought Josh Allen to be like a proper quarterback, and they, to me they're just Josh Allen, all, fire. Listen,
1: all we starters. talked to, We talked about this before we started recording, I believe, but Josh Allen went from you know bad rookie who was exactly as everybody said he would be. These are your words from a scouting report, and I agree with it 100%. He went from bad rookie to now he's just below that elite group, if you ask me.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think the elite group right now is Rodgers, Mahomes, Wilson, and Watson. Those four guys.
0: I'm not ready to throw Watson up there yet just because I want to— Look at his numbers this year. I know he's he's got the numbers, but I want to see, like—I need to see some playoff success. You know? He doesn't have Wilson and Rodgers and Mahomes resume in the playoffs. So. well
1: Wilson's playoff yeah. success comes from uh having one of the all time great defenses.
0: Right. That's true. That's true. But hey, I know Wilson's playing his best ball like post Seattle's best years. <laughs>
1: yeah, Wilson's a stud now, but man, he was he was oh, he was good for those good. runs, but he was, he was, good. was a game manager. he yeah, was a good game manager. Actually no, that's he was not he was more he was than better manager. a game manager. Yeah, he was better than that. That's not right. He
0: was a really good quarterback <laughs> with an awesome running back and a and an all time defense.
1: Yeah. And he should have handed it to that running back. He
0: should have, he should have said, listen, fuck what Pete say. Here, Marshall, I'll take the damn ball.
1: <laughs> that's what should have
0: happened. He's, he, he, he's, 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 he, I don't think he would do that to a coach now. That's not his style at all.
1: You got to give him credit, too. That's, that's a tough play to come back from in a career.
0: Oh, yeah. I feel like it's almost forgotten about, you know.
1: Yeah, because he's so amazing. Because he's so
0: amazing. People don't even, it's just a footnote in his career now. And I think also more people blame Pete Carroll for it than anything else. Yeah. You know, I mean, and Pete Carroll still got a job there. So obviously it wasn't terrible. You know, they they didn't let it shape their organization.
1: Matt Patricia got a few years in Detroit being terrible because of that play.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, that play has shaped so many careers.
0: Yeah. All right. Th- all right, everybody. So that's uh, that's our little um Year in review slash looking what we're looking forward to in 2021. Um, we're gonna take a short little commercial break and we're gonna come back with one more quick little segment, uh baseball related segment, some Hall of Fame talk.
1: Sorry, I went long.
0: That's alright. I don't care. That's all you want. All
1: right, here we come back. Get ready. Okay. All
0: right, welcome back, everyone. So Matt, you texted me this morning and. You were, you you've come to a realization. You've had an epiphany.
1: Yeah. Um, so I was always go out there saying Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, none of these guys should be in the Hall of Fame because they cheated. And I just took such a singular approach to it. And you know what? Bud freaking Selig is in the Hall of Fame. This guy encouraged all of it, mm-hmm. and all of these owners encouraged all no, of the stuff because it was good for business. And they look the other way. Yeah. That's so. Right. I have totally changed my I it was actually uh, Laura Albanese who writes for uh, I think it's Newsday or one of those one of those publications in New York right. wrote an article about it this morning and it just I don't know why I had a huge opinion shift and now I think they should all be in the Hall of Fame.
0: Yeah, so you're now you're now you are 100% in where I feel on this.
1: I have totally flip sides.
0: When I when it first happened I was all but like no their punishment is they don't get to go in the Hall of Fame. And they there's 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 I think I identified five players from that era who are not in the hall that should be in the hall, in my opinion. Bonds, Clemens, A Rod, Sosa, Palmero. And maybe you can add Manny Ramirez to that list to make six. Yeah, yeah I would say six. Those are the six players I think that are being shunned by the hall of fame like you know i don't want to see mcguire get in i don't think mcguire was a hall of fame worthy baseball player he's a guy who he took a lot of steroids and hit a lot of home runs nice enough guy you know he seems like he's he's he i know he feels remorse for how he went about his career i've seen interviews and that's i'm cool with that but i just don't think he played a hall at a hall of fame level he just hit balls really far um so he's he's the one of all those steroid guys i don't think should get in based on baseball but those other six guys, and, and maybe you throw Gary Sheffield in there, because he'd be the only person not in the 500 home run cl- in the 500 home run club, not in the Hall of Fame, and he's the only 500 home run club member to hit his 500th home run with the Mets. Come on that. <laughs> <laughs> That one thing that Gary Sheffield did with the Mets. <laughs> that, that was it.
1: He had his 500th. I'm sure they used a terrible font to present it to on the screen.
0: <laughs> but anyway, I think all those – once Bud Selig went in the hall, that was it. Their excuse was gone because I always felt Selig was just as much a part of, of that of that time in baseball because, like you said – he didn't stop it because the money was flowing in. Remember, Bud Selig is the owners. He works for the owners, not the players. The exactly. owners were making tons of money. End discussion. People were loving. We love home runs. Home run baseball is more fun to watch than pitching baseball. I do love watching a good pitcher's duel, too. Don't get me wrong. But At the end of the day, home runs are what's going to bring people into the game. We talk about Babe Ruth and Roger Maris, and Hank Aaron, and Barry Bonds, that's who we talk about. No, we don't talk about Cy Young like that. You know? We barely even talk yeah. about Randy Johnson like that, you know? Maybe in his prime when he was really mowing motherfuckers down, like we talked about him like that. <laughs> you know, because strikeouts are fun, too. You know, but like, even, you know, it's, 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 it was great for the game, and they went okay with it. And I think baseball is ridiculously hypocritical about their Hall of Fame. And it's It's an absolute joke some of these guys weren't in. And obviously, I'm going to go right into it. Pete Rose being the most criminal amongst at all. He's not in the Hall of Fame because he gambled on baseball, yet the Hall of Fame is littered with a bunch of dudes from the 1800s and early 1900s who gambled on baseball because they didn't get paid a lot of freaking money, so that's what they did. It makes no sense whatsoever. You have a dude in Cap Anson in the Hall of Fame who's you could legitimately say is the reason baseball was segregated for the first half of the 20th century.
1: Baseball's the most sanctimonious sport, too.
0: Oh, it's ridiculous. Oh, and, you know, I don't like to speak too ill will of the recently deceased, but, you know, Joe Morgan was always on the soapbox about these dudes and the steroids guys and Pete Rose, and I get it. Joe Morgan was cast away in Houston, and he had to really bust his ass to become a Hall of Fame-level player and get the respect, and I respect that. But get off the soapbox, dude. You cannot sit there and tell me Pete Rose, your teammate, the man you won multiple World Series championships with, does not deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. How many times did you guys drive each other in or score runs in the same player? I don't know what the hell the batting order was. I don't know who batted first. (laughs) But, you know, I would assume the two of them were near the top of the order, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's just absolutely absurd that none of these guys are in the Hall and the baseball fans should be ashamed of themselves the writers should be ashamed of themselves they're a bunch of sanctimonious little fuckbags and they all need to get the hell over themselves because you know damn well Barry Bonds is a Hall of Fame baseball player the only reason he did steroids is because he saw what's happening to McGuire and Sosa and he's like fuck that I'm a million times better than these guys these guys are only better than me because of the damn drugs yep. and, they, and they needed to stay healthy Clemens asshole. You and I fucking loathe Roger Clemens, dude. Yeah, we but he should be in him. the Hall of Fame. But he should Talk be in the fucking, I won seven shit, fucking Cy Young he, he won seven fucking, guy was pitching like a beast into his freaking 40s. He did steroids to keep himself healthy. I know maybe yeah. some of those later stats were be because he was still doing steroids and keeping himself healthy, but he felt the pressure to do it. Because the owners wanted him to do it. And he was making a fuck ton of money. Why would he stop making money? Roger Clemens is one of the most selfish players ever. He is self-admittedly a selfish player. He fucking plays the game for himself and to make money. He's going to keep making money. And and they let him. You let him continue to do his job. He should not be penalized for that. End discussion.
1: Yeah. And Roger Clemens, I'm looking it up right now, like, he... He should have won another Cy Young award. In 2005, he threw 211 innings and pitched to a 1.87 ERA for the Astros, and he didn't win the Cy Young because that was when we still cared about wins. Because he only had 13 wins that year. I'm oh
0: like, who won the
1: Cy Young that year? Oh god, I forget. Was that
0: 2005? He yeah. said, was that
1: Gagne? Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. It was Gagne. NL Cy Young was. He finished third. Chris Carpenter was first, and Chris Carpenter Chris had a great year. Chris Carpenter, wow. Chris Carpenter did have a great year. He threw 241 innings and had 21 wins, and Dontrell Willis <laughs> was 22 and oh, 10. I remember Dontrell Willis. I loved Dontrell Willis. Yeah, he had the leg kick, right? He had the big leg kick, yeah. yeah. He was 22 yeah, and 10, 236 innings. Again, I think the big argument they used against Clemens, though, was wins and in innings. But if you throw an entire season and you're over 200 innings and you have an under-2 ERA— Give give whoever that is the Cy Young. not matter,
0: yeah. It yeah. shouldn't even matter at that point, right? He
1: had a seven point eight uh, war compared to five point eight for Carpenter and seven point three for Dontrell Willis. So again, and you know that's the same thing. If Degrom's two thousand eighteen happens in two thousand five, he definitely doesn't win the Cy Young.
0: No way. No way. It's nice That's that a whole writers, other debate. Listen, it's nice the writers <laughs> have finally started to move away from that a little bit, though, and we're finally picking. Yeah, wins are such, the such a stupid
1: stat. Such
0: Especially, yeah, it's a stupid stat for pitchers. Like, it's just, yeah. it's a, it's a record keeping stat. That's all it is. Yeah. You know, because we just got to keep correct record of who wins the game. That's all. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Especially I, in baseball.
1: I agree with you. These guys should all be in the Hall of Fame. Yes. Yeah, all of them. Every all single of them. one
0: of them. Well, every single of those six. Those are the six that I really feel or yeah. out that should be in.
1: And the only reason Manny maybe is on the outs is just because he didn't have as good of numbers as those guys. Right. But yeah. Man- T- Manny
0: in his prime, though, was fucking unreal, dude.
1: He was. Like his Cleveland
0: but- years and like his first, like, maybe the first half of that Red Sox contract, he was yeah. fucking ridiculous, dude. Even when he was a Dodger, I actually saw him play at dodger stadium when he was a dodger i went, I, I went and when i got bleacher seats to a dodger game and, he, and he was out there in left field dude and it was crazy it was like manny land dude and every it was like a party in the bleachers dude it was awesome i was like it i would say it was 90 percent hispanic and they were all there for manny dude like they were just loving man. and manny in a home run that game it was like a freaking bombing off out there it was, everybody was partying it was awesome
1: I mean, I know you lived up here during those years, but you remember after that 2004 World Series, there was nothing he could do wrong. He could make oh. every error, make every bad throw, and they would just laugh at it up there. That's here
0: because- Manny being Manny. Yeah. <laughs> How many times <laughs> have you heard a Red Sox fan go, that's Manny being Manny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's definitely – I think – when I think of Manny Ramirez and I think about his prime years and, you know – I think he was a Hall of Fame level baseball player for more than half of his career. And I think his numbers are good enough. And I think the fact, you know, he's got his World Series. He performed. He was great when they won the World Series, too. Yeah. I mean, he, I mean, he did it. He showed up in big games. He, You know, and he was on good Cleveland teams, too. Always. I and mean, he always was on good baseball teams. He never like, you know, you he doesn't seem like he really like ruined locker rooms as much as you would think he did, because his teams were always winning.
1: Yeah. Yeah, always. Yeah,
0: always. Always. Actually, Cleveland started losing as soon as they got rid of Manny Ramirez.
1: That's true. You know. Yeah, I know. So, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that it's come to this too, where they just they feel like it's a black stain. When actually, that's probably the most money baseball's ever made.
0: Yeah, I think I think eventually, like the the veterans committees and stuff are going to vote all those. Once the players can start voting for the, for each other. You know in the later years and it gets out of the press's hands i think you'll see the steroids guys goes in i think you'll see rose go in after he dies i think baseball is determined to make that his punishment that they enshrine him after his death yeah 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 that's that i would be i'd be willing to bet my life savings that pete rose goes into hall after he dies
1: yeah i think so i think yeah. you're right
0: but uh know, yeah, and unless there's some huge shift like you know, it's going to have to take some huge shift, and it's probably going to be started by fans, quite honestly. You know, it's going to be Giants fans speaking up. It's going to – well, it's – you know, here's, here's the weird thing about Clemens, though. Like, Red Sox fans aren't going to speak up for Clemens.
1: No, they They're won't.
0: are not, yeah. Yankee fans probably aren't going to speak up for Clemens. That's a fire alarm going off oh. in that area. I apologize.
1: No. Uh, um. Yeah. I got to I- – I got to throw one more out there. I'm totally sorry, but I'm just looking at this 2005 baseball reference thing. Sure. Yeah. Bartolo Colon won the Cy Young (laughs) award that year, but he had a 3.48 ERA and Johan Santana had a 2.87 ERA, but only had 16 wins. So they gave Bartolo Colon the Cy Young because he had 21 wins, but he had a three and a half ERA. What was wrong with the vote? Oh, and Mariano Rivera was second. Now, he had a 1.38 RA that year, but still he was a reliever. He shouldn't. What was
0: his K point? What was his K for nine in his in his in his saves numbers?
1: Um so he had 43 saves.
0: Uh how many opportunities?
1: That's what I'm looking for. Sorry, I haven't been on baseball reference in a while.
0: <laughs> so many stats on there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh god. Yeah, it's not showing the opportunities, unfortunately. It's they might not showing even be games, which doesn't matter. Then. They didn't yeah. even count Six, that stat back then, yeah. Sixty seventy one games. But Santana pitched two hundred and thirty one innings, had where are the strikeouts? Two hundred and thirty-eight strikeouts, but only sixteen wins because that wasn't like that great of a you know, Minnesota team. Bartolo Colon,
0: what the heck? He was on the Angels, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And those were good Angels teams then they too, were.
0: but there were three years they moved from a World Series one.
1: Johan had a 7.2 WAR, and Cologne had 4.0, and Rivera had 4.0. Wait, what was what was Santa,
0: what was that again?
1: Seven point two wins above replacement. That was Santander. And Bartolo had four. Isn't that like classic Bartolo though?
0: Oh, it is classic Bartolo. <laughs> they should send the bat he hit the home run with to the Hall of Fame.
1: That bat should be. Yeah, yeah I yeah. agree. They That's should, the greatest they bat of all time.
0: Did, and they should probably like put it in gold a little bit.
1: You know. Oh, now yeah, we're really reminiscing. the gold. Gary's call of that where he just calls it one of the great baseball moments of the all greatest, time is the, the greatest best. call
0: of anything in Mets history <laughs> fuck Orozco fuck, fuck the ball through Buckner's legs to hell with uh, 69 that was the greatest play by Blake on Mets history yeah <laughs> it's also like gonna... Gary had been waiting for that moment it's like <laughs> his he had,
1: voice like, cracked
0: yeah it's like he had like <laughs> he have been like man what would I do if Bartolo ever hit a home run? he stared himself in the mirror and think about it, maybe rehearse it. He said, what happened? He was so excited. He's like, this is the moment I've been waiting for. And that's how I feel. when I listen to Gary make that call.
1: <laughs> oh. I, I, that and uh, one of my all time favorites, and it's an underrated one was when um, that guy, Sung Koo hit against Randy Johnson and hit the double and tim mccarver just goes this is one of the biggest giveaway at bats i've ever seen as he hits the double, <laughs> yes
0: yes oh oh man Vintage that's
1: why I, that's why i hate the dh that's why you
0: hate i hate the dh because now the mets got a freaking bunch of pitchers who can actually hit
1: yeah i was like man well, that,
0: there goes one of our secret weapons we've
1: also got dom smith but you know
0: yeah I mean, it's nice to know you could use, like, Syndergaard to pinch hit if you really wanted to.
1: Yeah. (laughs) You know, you can rake. I just love, I love what the pitcher hitting does to the game. And I'm just, that is one area where you can okay, Boomer me because I just do not like the DH at all.
0: I I like the pitch, though. I like the DH right now because it would benefit the Mets. But there's going to be a time where it would not benefit the Mets and I'll go back to hating it again. Exactly. You know, I mean, it's just, it also speeds the game up. You know.
1: Yeah, and the cool. pitcher's kind of like the North Star in the lineup. Sometimes I forget where we are in the lineup when I'm watching a game if I'm, like, doing something else. <laughs> and I always know exactly how far the pitcher's coming because usually the Mets will have the bases loaded with two outs at that point.
0: Right. So just a quick wrap-up the Hall of Fame thing, and I want to get your opinion on this as I was thinking about it when we were talking. Giants fans would definitely go to bat for Bonds. Clemens doesn't have any fans that go to bat for him. A-Rod really doesn't have any fans that go to, fa- fans that go to bat for him. Orioles fans and Rangers fans will go to bat for Palmero. They both, they all. I, I know Orioles fans pretty much. I think they, I think yeah. they love Palmero down there. They do
1: love so. Palmero. Yeah. Um, Cubs fans will go to bat for Sosa. Oh, without a doubt,
0: they love Sammy. Yeah. You
1: know, and, so and, maybe,
0: and and Sox and Sox fans and Sox and Indians fans will go to bat for Manny. Hell, Dodgers fans will go to fucking bat for Manny. <laughs> <laughs>
1: do we have? Do we have to start Mets fans for Clemens?
0: No, I can't do it.
1: Maybe it's like, hey, hey Rod, thanks for fucking up your bid for the team. Now we'll support you for the Hall of Fame.
0: I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do Clemens, dude. I can't. I would. I would support A. Rod, but I. I just. I, I wouldn't be mad if Clemens got in. He deserves to be in. But I would never like do anything to like boost that man's fucking ego. Like he yeah. fuck off. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't mind the others. A, a- Rod's kind of. Red- I think I. I like enjoy A Rod, listening to A Rod talk baseball at least. So I think he's. He does
1: a good job on ESPN. Yeah, he's, he's, I'll he's, give him he's, that.
0: He's, he's like the only personality on ESPN. I. That was another thing. Another punishment we were talking about. You thinking of punishments? All our ESPN games this year that the Mets have. Oh, <laughs> There's so many. Oh, that's I, a freaking punishment too.
1: Oh God, yeah. Anytime we have to listen to any other broadcast crew, it's a damn punishment.
0: I know, I know. Anyways, still spoiled with that. We are, sense. we are, we are totally spoiled with with Gary Keith and Ron. Yeah. Um, anyways, we'll wrap it up with that. Um, Matt, as a pleasure.
1: Always well, a pleasure, Dan. Thank fun you. Thanks for talking to you. Thanks uh, for this, having me.
0: Once again, this is Pop Sports Shorts. You can find us on the Fourth Wall Pop Network. Uh, we put out periodic shows. We don't necessarily have a set schedule. We feel like talking about sports. We talk about sports. So
1: and we, sports really, we really emphasize the shortness.
0: Yeah. This week we did not <laughs> emphasize the shortness. Yeah. It, it, it's the start of the start, but it's the year in review. We had a lot to talk about. It was a whole year's yeah. worth of It was of a shit.
1: whole year where we just sat in our homes.
0: whole year we just sat in our homes waiting for the little puns to sell the mess. <laughs> until what I finally did. <laughs> yeah. Waiting for the Jets to tank and waiting for the Giants to embarrass themselves on a weekly basis.
1: Ah, oh, The tank was more stressful Than any playoff run.
0: (laughs) I've never been a part of a tank before.
1: Oh my God, it was so stressful. I never knew it was going to be this stressful. It was so stressful.
0: (laughs) So I can can only imagine, you know, just praying for losses. (laughs) Yeah. I can't even think about it, dude. You know, I'm disappointed Michael Jordan being you right now. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Anyways, fam, good good to see you all again. Have a great night. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Hanukkah. Kwanzaa whatever you celebrate or don't celebrate just be happy
1: take care guys